Toast and tips, Panera goes small, and McDonald's announces a huge deal. That's all ahead on this week's Monday Minute. Monday Minute works like this. We're going to ask each other five questions about some of the latest headlines affecting the world of restaurants, technology, and off-premise. Are you ready? Let's go. So, Carl, the first question's for you. Panera's new cafe design is 20% smaller than its previous design. Why is that? I'm excited about this one, Meredith. Uh, Panera are a very forward-thinking organization. Uh, You recall from our book, they saw the need for a driver fleet before many others. And now, like many of the biggest QSRs out there, they're readjusting their footprint to enable better off-premise experiences without compromising their on-premise channel. Uh, The 20% reduction is to do with this new location in Baldwin St. Louis having two drive-through lanes. Um, That clearly can increase the speed and capability of people to get in and out faster and increasing the amount of occasions when people are wanting to utilize not just drive-through, but also pickup. They've thought about their design holistically. You know, the interior layout is certainly smaller, but it's the ambience that they've kind of changed and they've enhanced. They've moved the bakery oven right into the middle now, so it's more visible to guests. And they've really turned it into a completely digital experience for contactless ordering, uh, for mobile notifications, for automatic loyalty identification. And that's really given the guests the choice of how to experience Panera through dining, rapid pickup, drive-through or delivery, basically on, on their terms. Now, part of their press release was something called, um, they use the term wayfinding, which I think is a real critical part of this discussion. You know, product managers, web developers, they often think about, you know, how a customer can efficiently take the steps through an ordering process or when navigating a website. And the same now is increasingly important for on-premise transactions, given the amount of channels and the types of interactions a guest can make. So being ultra clear on the journey that a guest takes and having both the physical signage and the digital prompts makes that user adoption easier and more intuitive. Well, it sounds really awesome. I can't wait to see it. I love that they've both made off-premise better, but also made that on-premise experience better and reminds me a lot of what you talk about uh, at the very end of our book, where you say that the on-premise experience is going to have to be that much better because when people choose to use it, they're going to want to do it for a reason. Okay, our next question is around Epic Kitchens. They're doing something that Restaurant Insider calls a ghost kitchen fast casual hybrid. And they've recently opened up a new location in Chicago. So what is this concept about? Yeah, I'm really excited about this one. I see Epic Kitchens as the kind of future model of franchisee, if you will. I think that there are so many awesome concepts out there. And it's not clear to me that all of them can roll out in the way that they deserve, or we'll have way too many restaurants here in the US. And so being able to put a whole bunch of restaurants into one location, which is what they've done, saves on occupancy costs, saves on labor, and also gives the consumer choice. Now, the whole thing is optimized for a digital experience. So I would expect to see also lots of off-premise delivery as well. Um, So we'll see um, how quickly they're able to roll out, but assuming they roll out um, fast, then everyone inside will roll out even faster. 
Yeah, I, I saw that Pokeworks are working with them in a 60 square foot kitchen and are still able to utilize 90% of their menu, which is just astounding. Wow. That is awesome. That is awesome. All right. So um, sorting out tips just got easier for many of Toast customers through a new feature called Tip Manager that they announced this week. What's that about? Yeah, Toast had their first uh, virtual conference called Spark on last Tuesday, where they revealed a new suite of various different products. But the one that caught my eye was around how staff get paid and how tips get distributed. Now, remember, Toast supports about 40,000 independent restaurants in the large part, and many of them are clearly small in nature. And it's to this group that I think are probably struggling the most right now when it comes to the labor crisis and the competitive nature of just being able to support the workforce. Now, Toast have seen that challenge, and alongside data that they published, which said that 76% of restaurant workers are leaving the industry because of low pay and because of tips. And, you know, that's a major concern. But what are the operators that can't afford to pay higher wage rates? You know, the ones that are barely keeping the doors open themselves um, as it is. You know, Toast argues that if you can pay your employees for the day they've just worked, that's going to help and satisf satisfy some employee demands. Now, allocated tips from the customers are being integrated into Toast POS system. And that's obviously going to save the manager some time at the end of the day as well. So that's a good advantage. And they're giving employees the opportunity to have a prepaid uh, MasterCard. I think it's something they're calling PayCard. And that's really given a chance for restaurants to ensure workers get a faster means to access pay outside of the regular paycheck. Um, now, faster pay is nothing new, um, but given how much Toast supports independent restaurants and how much they're very much the first step for many smaller restaurants on their journey to digitization, I see this as a good feature and a function to be rolling out at a time when restaurants really need it. And if nothing else, it's a great example of how technology companies are listening to their user base. Mm, for sure. And I love how Toast is integrating more and better features into what they offer. That That is fantastic for the independent operator who maybe isn't going to go out and get 27 different pieces of SaaS software to run their restaurant. Okay, our next question is about Startup Daily Harvest. They've reached a $1.1 billion valuation through a recent fundraise of $77 million. Um, and this feels like another example of how grocery, restaurants, and home cooking are kind of blurring together. So what's your take on this one, Meredith? Yeah, well, first of all, I am extremely excited about it because Daily Harvest positioning is around eating more vegetables and eating um, what I will call fresh vegetables. They're, they come to you frozen, but um, frozen's been demonstrated to flash freezing's been demonstrated to retain more uh, nutrients, and I think millennials have absolutely voted with their feet in terms of shifting toward more frozen foods. Um, so they've got this positioning as a better for you, eat more vegetables, which makes me happy because I think it shows us that Americans do want to eat healthier. We just need to give them better, more convenient ways to do it. Uh, and then absolutely the blend between home restaurant and grocery is here. So I don't know if any of you have ever gotten a daily harvest shipment, but it comes and it's ready to convert into a soup or add a few ingredients and make something with it. Possibly um, you could put it in a blender and create a smoothie. They have all these different options. It's very cool. And so it's a little bit grocery store in the sense that you're getting ingredients. It's a little bit home in the sense that you're doing it at home. 
And it's a little bit restaurant in the sense that they've selected all the ingredients and spices and things that go together for you. Um, so a really great example of how these worlds are coming together. Okay, Carl, last one is for you. Uh, the biggest restaurant company in the world, uh, McDonald's, has announced a big white label deal with both DoorDash and Uber Eats. Why does this matter? Yeah, it's a great question, um, especially so soon after the launch of their pretty amazing app and loyalty program. I don't know whether you've tried it out yourself yet, Meredith, but it's pretty impressive. Um, but many aren't aware of how the marketplaces have created products to utilize part of their product set and not just all of it. Remember, marketplaces give three things. We talk about this in our book, access to technology, customer acquisition and a logistics network. Uh, and restaurants can choose to compete against those three things or work with those component parts where it makes sense to do so. Those with significant brand strength like McDonald's have the capability to invest millions into technology. Their customer acquisition efforts go beyond whatever a DoorDash can probably give them. But the logistics network, that is clearly something that McDonald's don't have access to to service their customers. And it's this reason why DoorDash have created their Drive product and why Uber have their Uber Direct product. And it enables restaurants to utilize the logistics fleet for a lower fee. Uh, the chain's delivery sales have grown by billions. You know, McDonald's have grown by billions in delivery over the last few years. And this scale has given them the ability, of course, to negotiate much lower rates with the DoorDashes and Ubers of this world. But I think really what this is also saying is that they see the value of being able to have not just a third party access, but a first party access where they're, through their app, they're able to provide loyalty, a frictionless experience, and they really want to meet the customer wherever they are. And I think that's really important just to emphasize. So why does this matter to come into your question for every restaurant? Well, I get it. You know, you won't be able to have the rates that McDonald's can negotiate. But it does matter to be wherever your customers are. And if you want to improve your off-premise profitability, you need to have a first-party platform that can give that frictionless experience and something that gives a reason for customers to come back and use your platform. You know, the other day I redeemed uh, for my second use of the app a free large fries from McDonald's. That, they gave that to me just because I downloaded the app. But there are a bunch of other offers on there that I can get access to through that platform that I couldn't get if I went direct to the third party you know, directly. And, and that's designed really to create that behavior for me to think that McDonald's, every time I use that app next time, it's best for me to go there as opposed to using the third party platform. So any restaurant that uses this same approach and designs this um, looking to utilize the drive platform or the Uber direct logistics solution, they can do that too. You know, there's no reason why they can't do that too. And let me finish by sharing this slide with our audience, because this was shared um, at Food on Demand recently, and it was from a company called Sense360. Uh, and take a look at this. This gives an, an overview, really, of the amount of digital orders by a lot of these more technologically forward large chains. And if I list them out here, you'll see that the proportion of first party orders out of that digital order base is pretty high. Pretty high. Uh, Chipotle, 72%. Chick-fil-A, 83%. Starbucks, 94%. McDonald's themselves, 77%. You know, these are pretty impactful. So if you don't think that's impactful, I don't know what will be, but it shows you the importance of this total kind of picture and the importance of supporting customers wherever they are. Yeah, and the, the ability to actually move the needle from third party to first party. Now, these, these companies are huge companies. They're spending millions of dollars on making this happen. But I think it gives all restaurants 
hope that there is absolutely a place for brands, for independence, and for first-party ordering in the ecosystem. Okay, well, we would love to hear what you think about this. Uh, hopefully, you're hearing us on either our podcast platform. We're, we're now live on Alexa. If you've got an Amazon Alexa at your home, you'll be able to listen to us by either downloading the podcast or enabling the skill. But uh, as ever, please leave your comments below wherever you're listening to us, and we'd love to hear from you. Any questions that you have, what do you agree with? What do you disagree with? Um, but until next week, thank you again for listening. 